The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special. Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about online dangers for teens and also for college people and actually anybody, but especially with regard to teens. And I was reading this fascinating article called Audrey's Law, a reminder of the online dangers for teens. And this article was written by Carrie Leroy and Jennifer Keller. But we are speaking today with wonderful Carrie Leroy, who is coming to us from Skadden Arps, uh, an attorney in a law firm up in beautiful Palo Alto. And she's joining us this morning. So we're really thrilled. But let me tell you a little bit about her background. Uh, Carrie is um, advises clients on a broad range of technology and commercial transactions, and this includes everything from license agreements, patents, uh, outsourcing, strategic alliances, uh, distributor sales, just on and on and on. And she also advises clients on intellectual property matter, uh, matters, including uh, protection and exploitation of intellectual property. And much more. And prior to joining Skadden, Miss Leroy was a senior transactional counsel for a major Fables semiconductor company focusing on storage and communications integrated circuits, where she negotiated and drafted a variety of inbound and outbound technology development license and supply agreements, and she advised on intellectual property matters. She has uh, also been handling and representing companies in uh, very big uh, transactions, including Nokia Corporation and Broadcom and Dell and many, many more. That You could find out more about that at our website at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Well, you see her beautiful face. You'll see her wonderful background, and also you'll be linked to her URL. I just want to say a little bit more that aside from being a fantastic transactional attorney, she is also a leader in pro bono programs with her law office up in Palo Alto. And she has focused on educating Bay Area high school teens about laws relating to social media usage and related misconduct. And in 2009, she was the recipient of of the Wiley M. Manual Award for Pro Bono Legal Services from the State Bar of California for providing legal services to the poor. So we are just thrilled to have this very dedicated attorney and really um, caring person who wants to help change uh, what's going on in this world that, that could be 
hurtful to others. So thank you so much, Carrie, for joining us. Well, thank you, Mari, for the kind introduction, and it's really my my pleasure and privilege to be on your show. Well, great. So I was reading this article, and I think a lot of people aren't familiar with Audrey's Law and what happened that was uh, the impetus for creating this law. Yeah, so let me provide you with a little background on that. A a few years ago, Audrey Pott was a 15-year-old high school student um, in my area in Saratoga, California, and um, she went to a house party where she drank uh, too much Gatorade and vodka, and she passed out at the party. And while she was passed out, um, some teenagers came into the room and drew pictures on her body, took her clothes off, assaulted her, took pictures of, um, of her naked body, and circulated those pictures. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Audrey woke up the next morning. She didn't understand what had happened to her. She tried to piece together what had happened to her by interacting with her friends on social media. Uh, she talked a lot with her friends. Um, unfortunately, Audrey didn't speak to a single adult. Mm. Um, and eight days later in Los Altos, she took her life. Mm. So we, we looked at this fact pattern and we thought, well, um, you know, Audrey was a victim. She, she clearly blamed herself for what had happened to her, um, but she was a victim. And certainly if she had come to any attorney or and she had spoken with any adult who could have gotten her uh, gotten her help. Um, there, there were certainly options for Audrey, and um, you know, part of the problem is really this sort of victim blaming mentality. Yes, um, and that is a that is a cultural problem. But um, that case in particular, really, it, it's it really struck a nerve with a lot of the parents in our in our community. And I'm the mother of three boys myself. Mm. A lot of parents, a lot of people, just very concerned about how teens are managing to survive the age of, of social media, the tools themselves are, are not bad, but they are very powerful. So the question of, you know, um, what, what are the bounds around, what are the limitations on a person's ability to use particular content? Um, we, found, we thought that these, these were ideas that were not well understood among teenagers, um, and we were certainly right when we embarked on a project of, of um, educating teens in our area about social media, about the laws relating to consent, uh, when somebody has the, the right ability to uh, touch you, to engage in intimacy, intimacy with you of any kind. Um, and these are all really complicated areas. And um, currently, the curriculum in the high schools doesn't really address that. And certainly, the curriculum has not uh, kept up with the lightning speed changes in the social media and applications landscape. So these are all areas that teenagers and young people are living with. It's a very important, increasingly important part of their lives, but they don't really know what is what is acceptable, what is permissible, what is actually illegal. Yes. And that's where we really came in and felt like there was a need to help kids better understand that. Yes. Let's talk about what the law, this this law was passed recently and signed by the governor. Let's talk about what it means. You know, we're sitting on the campus of the University of California, Irvine. So uh, I would imagine that this is not too far from what could happen to people on this campus. And uh, several years ago, we had an incident where our assistant sheriff's son and three other kids, two other kids, um, did the same thing. They did like a, a, you know, they got a girl drunk and they did all sorts of things to her on a pool table that she didn't know about, actually, because she was out of it, 
drugs and everything else that they did with her, and uh, they violated her, and they videotaped it, and um, and this became um, the you know, a a horrible situation down here in Orange County. And the boys were convicted. And, of course, this was a terrible, terrible thing for this victim. But fortunately, she she had some help through the courts. And I'm hoping that she had some psychological counseling and that she's okay now. I haven't heard recently, but this is this is not so uncommon to happen and it's it's tragic. Yeah, no, these are terrible cases and unfortunately um, we're seeing more of them, not fewer cases. And I think the one that um, certainly received national media attention was Dubinville, Ohio, and that's one of the cases that we talk about. Yes. We do focus on high profile cases for the teenagers to say, look, um, this is how it played out in the media and here's how it Here's how it played out in the courtroom. Here's what actually happened to the yes. uh, teenagers who are involved. And we like to point out that the one teenager who I think, in the, like in the case that you're describing, uploaded um, unlawful content to YouTube, yes. i.e. Uh, a video of the actual rape or this yes. girl being assaulted yes. um, in Steubenville, Ohio, that, that that amounted to the distribution of child pornography yes. under Ohio law. Yes. And that uh, teenager got an additional one year tacked onto his sentence for that one act of uploading content. So it's mm-hmm. very serious. Um, and it's, you know, the, the I don't I personally don't think that teens or young people are becoming a, any more cruel or um, I think they have very powerful tools. Yes, at their disposition, and that that that's the issue is, um, you know, once they understand that actually sending around a nude picture of a 15 or 16 year old is distributing child pornography. Yes, um, the hope is that you know through through learning about the consequences and what happens to kids who do this, um, that you know uh, they will they will make better choices and refrain from from doing that. Um, Let's talk about what this new law requires. I know you had that in your article about um, what happens to a teen who's convicted of such a crime. Could you share that with us? Under Audrey's law? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, now there are increased penalties for a juvenile that assaults a a person who's in a defenseless state. So if they're unconscious or um, developmentally disabled, like in Audrey's pot, she was considered basically the same as someone who's develop, develop, developmentally disabled because she was passed out drunk, completely right. unconscious. Right. So now there are enhanced penalties, and an offender who's convicted under this um, this law would also be referred to uh, required counseling, mm-hmm. uh, which wasn't in the um, the current framework. So um, you know, the the idea is to make sure that I mean, even the the people who are doing these bad acts as well, they also need to understand that um, uh, these have terrible consequences for people, and um, you know that they they need counseling just as much probably as the bystanders around them who let these things happen or who don't report them. Right. Um, but the idea, especially for juveniles, because in juvenile proceedings, you know, they're going to be kept confidential. Um, you can, you know, hold, keep a juvenile in detention up to age 21, but the penalties are not quite as severe. Right. Um, I thought that uh, what I, I read in the article was that um, the law allows for typically confidential juvenile proceedings to be open to the public where there is um, a case that's a sexual assault on an incapacitated person. Yeah, now that's one of the changes as well. Right, so that right. Would, that, would, that would also apply 
Um, and that, that already does apply, actually. If the, if the teenager is charged as an adult, yes. that person's identity can become known. Right. Um, but I'm saying if they're not charged as an adult now, they can. that was a change. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Wow. Now, there was a study that you guys wrote about um, by Drexel University that uh, published in Sexual Research and Social Policy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You don't have to tell us the whole study, but just a little bit about what you found out. Well, I mean, just in doing our research on what, what group we're really trying to reach, mm-hmm. um, we studied this and we really realized that, you know, maybe 1% of the teens are going to be perpetrators of terrible crimes, and maybe 1% are going to be the victims of these terrible crimes. But really who we need to, to reach are the 98%, the people in the middle, the bystanders. Right, right. And we looked at we looked at Audrey Potts' case, and everybody looked at it and said, what happened here? Yeah. There were eight days when, when something else could have happened in the eight-day period between the, her assault and suicide when somebody could have intervened. Yes. And I think from our perspective, really, what we needed to do is to focus on the by, bystanders, and that's what the research supports as well, is that you can really motivate people you know, once they learn about how the law works, um, that they can they can be motivated to actually involve themselves um, to make a difference if they really think it's going to have an effect. Mm. Um, and so that's the hope with education. You you never know for sure, uh, you know, if if um, your educational program is going to have a direct impact. But the idea is just sort of um, building awareness of the issue, um, and that's what the research supports, is that, that through you know, understanding the issue, understanding that it's important to act and that there are consequences that you can engage the potential bystanders to these terrible acts and get them to make, you know, whether, it, whether it's simply reporting abusive content online or involving a single adult. Right. Um, that was the piece that was missing from the Audrey Potts. Audrey Potts story, and really that was the impetus for our entire program, was to try to um, make sure that we're reaching all of the teens who see things. You know, we, we tell them that um, they have an amazing power to distribute content. We all do online. Sure. We also reinforce the idea that they have an amazing, powerful con- uh, power to with their see friends, content. yeah, with their friends to they help. They see content that yeah. no adult sees. So all of the teachers will walk in and say, so, you know, tell us about the social media you use, and they always list about you know fifteen to twenty different platforms and apps. Right. Um, and then we ask them if they've blocked anyone using social media, and they all raise their hands. And everybody does that, right? And they but block their is, parents, right? <laughs> yeah, and they block parents, right? So if you imagine a young person in distress, the only other person who's going to know about that, who might be able to intervene, is in fact you know the by, potential bystander is another young person. Right. Right. So we try to tell them, like if you you know if you see something that really looks like an SOS call online, right. you know, Audrey po- Audrey posted on Facebook, and if you're interested in looking at her. Facebook, Facebook post. They're the subject of a uh, December 2013 Rolling Stone magazine article. Mm. But she posted things like, my life is over for a night I don't even remember. And Mm. I think um, you you got the sense that everybody, all of the teens knew what had happened to Audrey, but no adult did. And so that was the problem. Yeah. If if you could have advised Audrey uh, about her legal rights and what she could have done for herself, what would you have told her? Well, we would have told Audrey that she had, first of all, she was a victim. Right. And there's nothing wrong, there's, there's nothing bad about you because you're a victim. And that, right. that part of it, first of all, is a really important message for young people to hear, right? Because right. they hear constantly that, um, as we heard in the Steubenville, Ohio case, well, of course this young person got raped because she was drunk. Right, right. So we, we you know, reinforce the idea for these teens, and, and people should know this generally, that 
if a person is drunk, that does not mean that they've consented. In fact, it means that if you proceed with sexual intimacy with that person, it's probably rape by intoxication. Right. So it's the exact opposite of what sort of the cultural idea is around that. Um, but, you know, to tell her that, you know, first of all, she was a victim, and as a victim, she has rights. And those rights would be the ability to um, go to court and get an order that would allow her to get all of those images back. They're protected images. It's unlawful content distributing pictures of a nude minor. That would have been an easy thing to do. The, um, the kids involved in taking the pictures and distributing the pictures, all of them were charged um, they're juveniles, so their names were not released, but they were charged um, and they were convicted in juvenile proceedings. Um, so we would have told her that she had the right to um, to charge and hold accountable the people who violated her. Right. And on top of that, aside from the criminal law, she would have also had civil remedies. Yes. Um, and her school would have also had some obligations to make sure that she was safe and free from harassment in the school context. Um, but, you know, she could have filed a lawsuit against the boys and um, their parents. And I know there is a lawsuit that was filed by the Pot family, but I'm saying if she, if she had still been with us today, yeah. she, she would have still had claims against the people who um, who committed sexual battery against her, basically, right. in civil proceedings, and she would have been entitled to maybe damages. Right, to get some, some mental help, yeah, to get some yes. help, and maybe her parents could have moved to another place. Yes. And she and could one, have one moved, of the cases yeah. that we talk about, actually, we talk about Audrey Potts' case, we talk about Steubenville, Ohio, we also talk about the case of a young girl in Oregon. It was very similar to Audrey's case, but it started in middle school, where she was being blackmailed um, by her boyfriend and her, uh, who had convinced her to send nude pictures, and he threatened to, to send all these nude pictures to everybody in the whole school, to Aww. everybody she knew, mm. unless she sent more nude pictures. So she got into this terrible cycle of feeling um, like she didn't have a way out of that. She would have had claims. She would have had civil remedies against the offenders. She could have potentially sued the parents, um, the school district. I understand that there is uh, litigation pending against um, those involved that was brought by the family. But, you know, had Audrey been with us still, she would have certainly had uh, the ability to seek damages um, in addition to the criminal proceedings. And, um, you know, one of the cases that we highlight is involves a young girl from Oregon who had a very similar um, situation as Audrey. Actually, uh, it had been going on for some time where she had actually had pictures her, her boyfriend in middle school um, got one nude picture of her and then um, threatened, basically engaged in extortion and said, if you don't send me more pictures, I'm going to send these pictures to everybody mm -hmm. in the school, to your parents, to everybody you know. Mm -hmm. um, and this young girl really didn't know how, how to manage that, and um, she kept sending more pictures, and she was uh, bullied and harassed at school, and finally her mom found out about it, and her mom took action. And so this is, we like to focus on this one because there's, you know, there's the Audrey Pot case that ends in a suicide, and then there's this case, which ends in a young girl very bravely exercising her rights. Yes. And she filed a big lawsuit against all the, the boys involved, the parents, the school district, um, and they moved out of town. And she's, she's actually, she's been interviewed about this case, and she seems like she's doing okay. Yes. And that's, you know, that's one of the beliefs of our program as well, is that you need to empower victims to know that, yes, Terrible things happen to really good people. It doesn't make it your fault. Right. And it's, um, you know, it's not because you made one mistake um, that suddenly your whole life should be over. Um, and so, you know, I sometimes I, 
I think it's difficult with teens, young people, and sexuality. Sometimes I like to ask them to think about a different setting, like imagine that you are going to your car at 3 o'clock in the morning by yourself, and you're kind of nervous because you're going to your car, and it's not really the best part of town. And you get mugged as you're going to your car and um, get mugged and stabbed, and you manage to make it down to the police station a couple of blocks later uh, down the road, and you look at the officer and you say at, at the police station, so, officer, I've been stabbed and mugged. You know, help me do something about this. And the officer just looks at you and says, well, that was really stupid. What were you doing there at that, you know, in that part of town at 3 o'clock in the morning all by yourself? Right. Get out of here. Yeah. You know, we can't imagine that, that um, there'd be that kind of response. But I think in some ways when you hear a lot of the discussion, debate around, you know, what we call, I guess, rape culture, I've heard victim blaming, I've heard the really um, horrible phrase slut shaming from students that we've, we've spoken with at high schools. But this idea that in the context of sexuality, if something goes wrong, it's always going to be the girl's fault or the victim's fault. Right. And, I, you know, that's something that is not, it's certainly not a legal principle. So I think it's very important for us to make sure that they understand that the law does not blame victims. The law looks at each individual act and says, you know, was this act unlawful? Yeah. And, you know, just like if somebody's incapacitated, maybe they've trespassed on your property and they pass out on the ground, that doesn't give you an invitation to walk up to that person who's passed out on your front lawn um, and take that person's wallet. They're two distinct acts, right? One was the trespassing, and then the next is called theft. Yes. It's very clear, but I think, um, you know, we're, we're really battling um, cultural misunderstandings that re- relate to sexuality. Yes. Um, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's so tragic. You know, what I was thinking about, the fact that you're reaching out to all these teens, to, that they're the ones that are going to learn from their friends, either by Facebook or something else, that it would be really wonderful to have the, the friends of these kids, you know, uh, Audrey's friends, go and speak on this. And what, you know, because a teen listening to another teen or Audrey's mother coming out and speaking on this would really be helpful. Besides, you know, you, of course, it's wonderful that you're doing this. But I think peer-to-peer, it would really have a lot of power as well. Yeah, well, this is the idea. I mean, we, we say that, you know, we're, we're, um, we're actually we're fans of social media. You know, social media can be used for wonderful things. Yes, you can actually yeah. see what the kids do in response to tragedies. Sometimes they mourn, they grieve on social media. Right, right. They get to decide what things go viral. So we would absolutely love, welcome the response of teens to our program to actually say, hey, you know, these are things that I learned in my sex ed class today. Yeah. And I want to put this information out there because it's important to us to know, you know, the teens are the ones who are setting, they are setting the norms online. They get to decide what those norms are. It's very right. powerful. Yes. Um, and to decide as, as teenagers, as young people, that the norm is not to be victimized. It's not to be, you know that a person has a right to his or her dignity and that the law protects that. Yep. You know, those are very powerful concepts. And to know that there's no difference between someone harassing you um, in person versus online and that there's protection for individuals who are victims of harassment online. Yes, yes. So let's talk about this wonderful pro, uh, pro bono program, which is a free program that you created at Skagen. How, how does that work? Yeah, so what we, we have... Um, we have one to two hour long classes that we teach. There are usually two attorney volunteers. It would be one for my law firm, Skadden Arps, 
um, possibly an attorney from Legal Advocates for Children and Youth. Um, the organization is our nonprofit partner in this project. And then also we have attorneys uh, at our clients who will come out and also help with the teaching of the classes. So we have so far trained, I think of it as a small army of attorney volunteers to come out to these classrooms. We have uh, close to 50 now, oh, and wonderful. we've taught over uh, 2,500 students at this point. So we go to sex ed classes. Some of the um, high schools have cut sex ed altogether, which is really bad, another topic. But yes. <laughs> uh, So we will, we'll basically go into any classroom that will have us. Um, where it makes sense and the teacher, you know, wants us to be in the classroom to talk about this. It could be like in a, you know, current affairs social studies kind of class. Um, we've also offered it in assembly format uh, where we can't, um, you know, this school doesn't have the ability to let us into individual classes. We can offer it as an assembly. But we prefer the small classes because with smaller classes, and in, in particular in the sex ed classes, or they're called living skills classes here in the Bay Area, but um, you'll you'll be able to engage better with the students, and you know you can encourage them to write down questions that they may you know not want to they may not want to raise their hand and ask um, in class. But uh, we've collected from the students an amazing set of frequently asked questions. We so what kind of, que- kind of yeah? Questions. What kind of questions do they ask you, Carrie? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I some of the questions are really interesting. I'll say that um, for me, uh, I think the one of the more interesting questions that I received was. Um, if if a young person is intoxicated and a terrible thing happens to them, like they're sexually assaulted or somebody takes a picture of them and uploads it while they're you know, passed out, so similar to Audrey Potts' situation, right? Um, if they were to go to the authorities, would they be charged with underage drinking? Mm, good question. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think when I first heard that question, I thought, wow, this is this is a really important question because yeah. it tells us a lot that young people blame themselves. Right. They're they're saying, like, I'm thinking about the in the the example I gave you before, it would be like right. the person who trespasses on your property, who passes out and has a heart attack, wakes up and you'd, you'd take in his wallet. If he's going to think to himself, wait a minute, if I want to press charges against this person for stealing my wallet, uh, am I going to be accused of trespassing? Is that somehow going to be a defense? Right. right. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. Yeah. Right. But so they're while fearful. in theory it is yeah. possible that a young person could be charged with underage drinking, um, prosecutors exercise prosecutorial discretion. They decide um, who they're going to charge with crimes, and they typically would never um, charge a young person with a crime who's been a victim of a very serious you know, felony. Yes. Um, so, you know, and it's important for kids to know that because they may they may feel like I can't go to the police, I can't talk to anybody because I made a terrible mistake. Right, right. Um, and, and it's important for them to, to know that that's not how it, how it would play out. Yeah. So what are some of the key points that you would like my audience and the students to know that when you go to the schools? Yeah, I mean, so for anybody online, I mean, all of us need to understand that we are creating a culture online, right? We are, we are creating a set of norms online. What is it that we expect to see? Who are we online? Why is it different from how we are in person, sitting across from each other? Um, that first question, I always um, make sure that I tell the students, you know, the reason why attorneys are taking time out of their busy schedules to come and, and, and talk to you all is because, um, you know, we're seeing these kinds of cases. We're seeing Steubenville, Ohio, and Audrey Pott and cases like the one that you just uh, described, Mari. Yeah. We're seeing these kinds of cases, 
And we just scratch our heads and we think, well, wait a minute. If before you hit the send button or the post button, you'd simply ask yourself this question, you know, how would I feel if this image or this content were about my sister, my brother, my right. mom, right. my boyfriend, my girlfriend, someone I really care about? And if, you, if the answer is just rotten and horrible, you know, you know, please take a, a step back and don't do it. Uh, you, and I make, we make sure we tell them you never have a problem with violating um, uh, cyberbullying laws or any kind of, you know, laws that relate to the distribution of content if you're careful about what you post. And I mean just thoughtful. It's not like you can't say I'm in a bad mood and I don't like this person. And, but what you can't do is you can't cross the line where you are harassing someone, making up things about them, revealing their private information. Right, um, right. It's, and certainly it, not distributing nude pictures of minors. These are problems where, you know, you're really going to have a problem with the law. And, we and want that, people we, to understand that they're empowered to really decide what the norms are online. Yes. And we are just out of time, believe it or not. This is, you've just been such a wealth of information, Carrie. We want to really wish you all the best of luck. And you keep us informed about what's happening. And we'll have you back again to tell us all the great things that you're doing with these programs, okay? Will do. Thank you so much, Mari, for having me on your okay, show. Okay, thank you. Carrie Leroy, we are just so thrilled. And you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.